Okay, I'm just walking Charlie the Chocolate Lab on his daily walk and I would ask him to say hi, but unfortunately he's not speaking to me at the moment. Uh, apparently singing terrible jingles for the podcast was a little bit embarrassing, he says. No, I said it brought great shame on yourself and your family. Ah, okay, sorry Charlie. Uh, does that mean you're speaking to me now though? Uh, no, not really. Uh, okay, well, anyway, this is episode two of the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast. Um, we have two very exciting pieces of news. Firstly, we have just partnered up with QT Albums. They're an amazing album company producing the very best um, wedding albums available. Um, I've used them myself for, I don't know, three to four years now. and I really couldn't be happier with the, the print quality, the covers, the, the build quality of the albums themselves. They really are amazing. So please head over to our partner section of the website, click the link and sign up with them yourselves. Um, secondly, we have an amazing guest as promised. He's the master of layering and a bloody lovely chap too. So without further ado, here's episode two of the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast. Do you want to say goodbye, Charlie? Charlie? Nope, still not talking to me. Oh, well. Okay, bye. Photographers keeping it real. Photographers keeping it real. This is our podcast We've never done this before We practice just a little bit So we apologize if It's a bit shit I know it's so good Oh yeah Photographers keeping it real We keep it real cause We like the way that it feels Welcome to the Photographer's Keeping It Real podcast. I'm Andy Hudson, the man who, according to his friends, has the perfect voice and the perfect face for local radio, which is a bit weird. Uh, and joining me is the man they call Grogy Bear, Steve Grogan. Hello, Steve. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm not so bad, thanks. Not bad at all. Excellent. Well, we just wanted to start by thanking everyone who joined us for episode one. Uh, this is episode two. So, uh, yeah, excited to uh, have another episode. Um, if you did miss the first episode, please go back and have a listen. Uh, it's all about how photographers keeping it real started and also about our awesome Facebook group. And if you're not a member of our Facebook group already, please have a look for us on there and join our wonderful community. And um, I've been busy as well. Um, I've actually set up a Twitter account Ooh, as well. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us um after hearing this podcast chat about anything that's discussed you can interact with us um the the twitter handle is that what you call it the twitter handle i don't really know it sounds weird doesn't it it does but it's um at photogs k-i-r um, i did try and go for photographers keeping it real but apparently you're not allowed that many letters well you might be now they've just doubled it or something weird i think that was with the the actual number of characters you can write in an actual tweet no, not in the actual... Just that. no but oh well it's Never all happened. set up now anyway so i saw a great tweet by some um, uh, i can't remember which who it was some ambulance uh people like sort of uh nhs thing and it was like it was just the ambulance thing it just said nino 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 for like <laughs> 240 characters or something they were making the most of oh. it it was good i love stuff like that it was very clever <laughs> Yeah, so I'm it's, easily pleased. It's not just me and uh, you for episode two. We did promise that we would have some special guests joining us. Someone whose work we are both a very big fan of. 
um, is documentary wedding photographer, and I have to be careful how I say this, Master Baker, Andrew Billington! <laughs> Did I say that Hello! Right? Yeah, hello. Hi there. <laughs> How's it going? Master Baker, you were fine with that. That's good. That's good. I had to be careful. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) And you also have the the smoothest voice in all of podcast land, I have to say. Oh, that's that's very kind of you to say so. But I I would sort of always give that one to Neil James. Okay, well, we'll have to... uh, Well, you get our award, so that's all that matters. Oh, that's that's very kind. We'll give you, like, uh, a little trophy in the post or something. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Although, (laughs) since the last podcast went out... People have said that mine and, and Steve's uh, voices aren't what they expected. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was a compliment nice. either. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone said, that. everyone said Steve sounded like John Richardson. Yeah, I, I had a few people throw that at me. Um, so now yeah, I look. Yeah, it's a slightly upbeat John Richardson. Yeah, I think I've had sort of. I look like Carl Pilkington and I sound like John Richardson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah. Now, now you mention it, yeah, there's a bit yeah. of the of the, of the Carl about you. When know, you die, do you want it's... that on your gravestone? <laughs> the face of Carl Pilkington and the voice of John Richardson. Here lies it... Steve Grogan. <laughs> I'm sure there could be a lot worse names flung at me. Yeah, I suppose. You could also, though, the plus side is that um, there could be on the cards maybe some voiceover work for companies on a budget who want John Richardson but can't afford him? Uh, I'm more expensive than John Richardson. Oh, oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, since this podcast went out, the f- episode one, uh, your rates have gone up substantially. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but our voices are going to sound even worse now that we're speaking to the man with the voice of Andrew Billington. <laughs> not fair I, I i actually um may hire you andrew for anything that i do from now on you're going to be my you're going to be dubbed in oh that that yeah oh okay. what just literally just be your voice yeah <laughs> it's all do, right do i have to do, is it a sort of ventriloquist thing do i have to sort of follow you around and then you know um, just yeah okay that, no that, that's that's fine i mean how far are we taking this is your wife in on this <laughs> she she was the one who suggested it weirdly she's <laughs> He does have a great voice. It's um, <laughs> it's just perfect for this type of thing. I'm just a a, a scally mancunian. Yeah, and I'm just a very camp person from Durham. I always think when I hear my voice back, it's not not fair. And when you when you think of Durham, you don't think of camp. It's really interesting. Yeah, well, Durham Durham's like it's it's a bit more sort of country bumpkiny than Newcastle. So it's sort of you know. It's yeah, it's not quite as sort of Geordie, go out and drink loads of pints and watch the football. It's a bit more go and play cricket and then have uh, have so have a, a game of golf. A bit like uh, the like a Newcastle version of Cheshire. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I think we'll move on because like yeah, yeah I don't I don't know if I'm gonna say something that sounds insulting which isn't meant to be because I love Newcastle, so I don't know. Yeah, we don't, we yeah, don't no, we could we could anymore. be in sticky territory. Yeah, yeah. I I think so. Uh and so we'll move on to something uh that is very good, which is the fact that Andrew, you won yeah. not just one, but two awards in the first ever photographers keeping it real awards. Woo! That was that was that was really nice. That was a lovely surprise. Well, they were fully deserved. They were very good photos. Oh, thank you. And how Absolutely. did that how did that feel? It, it it felt very good. It was really nice. It's 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 like 
being presented some, with something that you didn't know you were going to get. It was lovely. Excellent. Um, and also, with your award for the smoothest voice in all of podcast land, you're on a bit of a roll. I am. I am. That's three. And and that, that third one is going on the front of my website tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? No, that's it, it's great. I mean, it's great news also that you've agreed, Andrew, to uh, to be one of the judges for our next awards. Um Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have three judges this time. Obviously, the initial awards um, were curated by myself uh, and Andy. But obviously, going forward, it's it's not the most transparent way of doing things. So we thought we'd do the right thing and and open it out to the community. Um, So if anybody hasn't yet submitted any images to the awards, just head over to the website. Entry is completely free. Um, the website photographerskeepingitreal.com in case you didn't know um, and like I said completely free to enter deadline 1st of December so get your images uploaded then to be in with a chance of winning one of our coveted awards so it's um, very excited and we're looking forward to having you as one of the judges Andrew we will let you know who will be joining you as the other two judges very soon um, we already have one name lined up just need to double check with her uh, Excellent. and we're waiting for the final person and then we shall let you know Brilliant. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I mean, you see so much really good work in that group. And it's just nice for people to sort of actually sort of put their images up, just sort of say, look, how, you know, how, how is, how is this? I, that's what I've, I've, I've always done. I've sort of, for the first few years of being a wedding photographer, I really sort of shied away from that sort of entering of competitions and saying, well, you know, it's, you know, how can you compare one thing, you know, it's apples and oranges. You can't compare mm. one image against another and say one's better or one's worse. But I don't think that's actually what it's about. Um, for me, for me, go, uh, finally, when I sort of thought, oh, go on, let's just, let's let's stick some images in, into some competitions and, and see what they do. For me, it was literally about challenging myself and sort of looking at what the judges' criteria was or looking at the other images and saying, you know, if I aspire to sort of have photography like that really i've got to put myself in the mix and you know and and probably not winning um is the best thing that you can do sometimes i think it really <laughs> I'm, makes I'm you really good at that i think <laughs> i think it really makes you think though as well sort of like you know when you're submitting to an award and especially with ours i think because it is very much um about one sort of particular genre of photography. Some of them, like, mm-hmm. sort of a whole mix of things win, win from documentary to fine art to, you know, anything yeah. really paused and stuff like that. And then we're, like, right now, we're, we're like, documentary, you know, the, the, the whole mm-hmm. group and the whole website was all set up with that in mind. And I think, you know, even even myself, it's it's since we started doing it, it's been a good inspiration for me to think about my documentary work and how I can approach it and take an inspiration from people. And I think if people enter the awards it's going to really sort of make them think, okay, well, maybe I won or maybe I didn't win, but I didn't win, but this photo did, and that is a wonderful photo. And now I understand maybe I could try things like that, maybe. Yeah, and also I think it's actually the process of going through your own work and being self-critical and sort of saying, which are the images that I'm going to put up for scrutiny? Which are the ones that hit the criteria that I think the judges are looking for? Which are the ones that I would like to put out there? Because they're not always your favourite photographs. And I'm, I'm quite surprised sometimes when I put stuff out there, not 
just in competitions, but just uh, what stuff gets great reactions mm. from people saying, I really, really like that. And I'm thinking, well, that was just a sort of throwaway shot that I did that I just sort of put out there to fill a hole in social media. And sometimes you actually end up reevaluating some stuff that you've done and also in the long term, the way that you're actually working, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I actually think that's really true. Sort of sometimes you do take a shot and you think, ah, yeah, it's, it's okay. I wish I'd done this instead or this instead. Mm-hmm. And then you put it out there and it gets such a great reaction. You're like, do you know what? Actually, I'm being so self-critical of what I'm doing that actually now I realize from seeing it through other people's eyes that, you know, actually, that's, that is a pretty good photo. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm constantly self-critical. You know, you don't want to put stuff out there because you you see, I I'm, I always see the errors rather than necessarily what's gone right within a mm. shot or on a wedding day or even in an email I get from a couple after I've delivered their photographs. You know, if they, you know, I might get loads loads of plaudits and they say how much they like it, and then if there's one little thing that they're slightly lukewarm on, that's what I'm going to concentrate on. Yeah. Yep. That's I'm the, the thing I'm going to think about for the next week. Yeah, and it's, and yeah, yeah, and it's going to burn. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. Yeah. And I'm having to s- try to stop doing that and actually be a little bit more sort of positive in that and and actually see the positive things that people say as positive things. So it's going to be quite weird then being on the other side of it as well and sort of looking at other people's photos and then sort of evaluating them, which will be quite interesting, I think, when you're you're so self sort of evaluative anyway. Um, what are the kind of things maybe that you're going to look for when you're, when you're judging the awards? What are the kind of things that you think will stand out to you? I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to boil it down to those sort of three elements that I'm thinking about when... I'm photographing. So I'm always looking for light, you know, you know, how have they used the light? Where is the light coming from? Is this good light? Have they, have they found some great light? I'm, I'm looking for the composition. I want to see if the frame makes sense. If there are good, you know, there are diagonals or there are leading lines or there are things that take your eye through the photograph. And I'm going to look for the moment, the, the narrative within that photograph. And it's those three things coming together that are going to make a great photograph it's not necessarily just what the photo is of because i think sometimes in the documentary genre you know if you want to call it in in those those sort of terms people sort of think oh it's a photograph of this great thing Mm. and because because that thing happened that's good enough yeah and really i i think I am always, I I strive and I think people should strive to sort of take it further and actually say that thing is happening. What's the best way I can photograph it? And, and what's the best way that you can create a standalone photograph from the thing that's happening in front of you? Cause it's not just, you know, oh, auntie has fallen over yeah. or what, or whatever, you know, that can be mm. an embarrassed moment or somebody's opening a bottle of champagne and it's spurting everywhere. That's a great moment. But if you, if you actually add, add, that moment with interesting composition effective composition and and looking how the light works within the scene as well you get those three with that moment is brilliant you that's, know that's no. what elevates an image that's called the billington triangle there you go we just <laughs> created <laughs> well something thought. for you yeah. it's certainly not my tri- it's- it is not my triangle. <laughs> You're going to go I down in the history. Basic rule, like... The basic rules of photography, I think, is what, what I tried to have nagging in the back of my mind at every point during the day. Yeah. 
No, that that makes sense. You're going to go down in history, though, the Billington Triangle, I'm telling you. I'll, be... I'll, I'll, you know, it, yeah. It's a bit like the rhubarb triangle that's sort of, you know, in Yorkshire. <laughs> I think you should copyright it immediately. Yeah. And, the Billington uh, Triangle. Yeah. Okay, I'll, tr- I'll try. Just, I'll try. I'll see, how far, just... I'll see how far I get with it. One of the um, images that won one of our awards. Now, <laughs> the, the reason why I've decided to, to speak to you about this is because I've been trying to get my head around it for about four months or so since you first posted it. <laughs> Um, and it's a bit like when you lie in bed at night thinking about space and time and eventually you have to stop because your head hurts. Um, so I think a few people may guess which image I'm talking about. It's that car reflection shot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if people haven't seen it, uh, please check our, the awards section of our website and, and have a nose for yourself and just see if you can make it out. Um, I know you have explained it in the group. I still can't wrap my head around it. Okay. Um, no, I so. can't either. I've tried many times and, and, <laughs> and you know, you've explained it more than once and I'm still, I don't know. There's a little bit of me who I, I definitely don't understand it, but it's a bit like when you watch Dynamo doing tricks on TV or something and you're like, you, you, you kind of don't want to understand it as well. So your brain yeah. just goes, Nope, oh. Nope. I'm not listening. <laughs> it's yeah, so, it's so ridiculously simple, you know, like me. So that, that's, that's how it got, <laughs> that's how it got, how it got taken. Um, if I was being hypercritical, if I was judging that image, I'd say that what it does actually is lack moment. There's not enough happening through the car to really elevate it for me. It needs somebody running towards somebody or arms outstretched or something. There's some laughing faces, and I think that sort of works. But uh, mm-hmm. how, how it was uh, taken, I think, was, um, is so ridiculously simple. Uh, that we can actually, um, it's just, I mean, it, it is, it's just reflections, but what you've got is because there's light on the other side of the car, I can shoot through the windows without the reflections on them being too pronounced, but the top half of the frame, you've got the dark interior of the, of the car roof, which actually makes the reflection on the outside window more pronounced. So you can actually see what's behind me right. which i think that's probably where your brain is falling out andy yeah i'm still a bit confused i don't think i'll ever get it i no. think it's just one of those things that i think uh, andrew will probably have to do a workshop to explain it or do, <laughs> draw some diagrams I, and i need i do need to do a diagram for that because i must admit people have got so, so how is that how does that work and i just sort of <laughs> it's basic physics um it's how light is doing that traveling in a straight line thing right yeah um <laughs> but basically because the roof is dark you can see the roof of the car interior is dark the top half of the of that passenger window that i'm shooting through you can actually see the rooftops reflected behind me and so all i've and i've not done a lot in in post to sort of bring those out either. It's just a sort of little gradient that I drop down just to add a bit of contrast and maybe knock it down half a stop of um, exposure. And that's mm. that's about it. So it's the reflection. So so the bit above the car is actually, or above the, sorry, the people in the wall is actually the reflection behind you in the roof of the car. No, uh, yes you're looking at what you're looking at is basically the the passenger window and the roof of the car but but what you're seeing is the rooftops that are happening behind me wow because that never made sense to me the fact that the wall sort of doesn't match the roof and everything behind it and i'm going but like that can't then be behind 
the people because it doesn't match, but it doesn't make any sense to not be. So that, that right, I'm starting no, to get there. No Start. chance for me of getting that. No chance. <laughs> fall into place. Well, Ed, just, just sort of get a... You, I, I, look, I mean, you look for it all the time at weddings. You look for those sort of interesting reflections, those, the, those circumstances where there's something dark behind you, but you're facing a window and there's light inside. So you can start playing around with those sort of layers and things like that. Because it was a very, you know, it was a very straightforward, if those, you know, if, sim, simple wedding, shall we say. It wasn't sort of, you know, lots of things happening. They weren't, they weren't, it wasn't a fantastic, th- you know, big theme going on other than two people are getting married. There wasn't sort of, you know, boho chic or any sort of, you know, it wasn't a big hipster thing. There were no mason jars. There was no, none of that. <laughs> it was just, it was literally was the local Salvation Army that's about half a mile from here. So it was my my most local wedding this year, and I literally sort of they they came out. I've got so you know you've got sort of fifteen twenty minutes of them wandering around chatting with people. You get your safe shots of there they are. This is the context that they're in. This is what's happening. And then I sort of think, well, I've got about ten minutes to play and try and find something interesting that's gonna be that's gonna give them some more interesting images of this part of the day. Absolutely. I mean, looking at the image for me, the thing that stands out is is the the age-old technique that you've applied, really, is the layering technique, um, which obviously you've kind of played that card there, but with the reflections, it's kind of added that extra dimension. Um, I think layering is something that a lot of people have, a lot of photographers will have, will know about, obviously, because it's kind of in the, the, the manual when you first start reading about how to c- compose an image, etc. So, I mean, does is with in terms of your layering when you're looking at a wedding, when you're looking at a scene rather in front of you, is it is it something that you're actively looking for, or do you just do you just wait for the things to fall into place? I'm I I mean I, I it's sort of part of my aesthetic that I'm that I use and that I'm searching for. I'm looking for multiple stories that are happening at the same time and trying to get them in one frame. I mean, that's always the sort of, that's the golden fleece. That's what we're, that's what we're after. If you can, if you could tell the story of a reception in, you know, in one shot, then you don't need 20, which is, which is really, really nice. But with, with layering, I mean, there are sort of, I think there are two sort of types. There's a sort of tableau, where you've actually sort of you're, you're you're stepped quite far back, and what you're looking for is a scene that's got multiple stories within it, mm-hmm. and there's also that sort of immersive layering, which I do more of, which is where you're right in the middle of it, and you're using people as a frame, and you're trying to sort of shoot through them to get somebody else in the frame, and maybe somebody beyond them as well, or the context of the place beyond that to sort of again tell a multiple stories within the one frame and you're getting it... in very very close for those i think for those more uh not not the tableau scenes but the more sort of yeah close and personal it's i guess in your oh, yeah. right on the shoulder of the person with the back to you oh yeah I'm, I'm i'm right in there i'm i'm right and and it's it's a look that i like and it's a look that i do a lot i mean i shoot mostly um but at, at receptions probably i uh, most of the day i'm shooting 35 75 yeah 
but if it's a quite a small room i'll i've got a little 27 that pancake lens that i've got in my pocket and i'll just pop that on so it's just slightly wider because i'm slightly closer okay but i i use i use people all the time all the time as framing devices it's a good technique very interesting to work well in terms of bringing you into the scene i think it's a really good tactic yeah yeah i mean for me it's the idea of photographing from the point of view of a guest i think that's what i'm that's what i'm looking for on a wedding day is is to sort of give them the photography as if it were from a guest's point of view rather than from the privileged photographer's position yeah that makes sense i think the thing though as well is that you're you must have um very good sort of spidey senses for the 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 group that is about to break into laughter or do something sort of interesting because although you're layering the scene brilliantly you, it's not okay here's a great layered scene but the people who were the focus aren't doing anything it's it's usually not just ah. the people who are the focus it's the people who are sort of not the focus all seem to be adding to the the lo- sort of layer of the story well that's where that's where the photograph works that's that's the photograph you show yeah you you don't show the photographs where they've just done nothing yeah you know because <laughs> i'm literally i'm literally waiting for it i'm waiting for those moments i'm waiting for that to happen and sometimes you get lucky and you know the, the group that's right in front of you you wait for somebody to hit the punchline of the story brilliant everybody goes up and laughs and if it happens that at the same time another group of people do something else or all do cheers or wave at somebody, then suddenly you've hit pay dirt, you know. And but I think it's about being patient and really mining a scene. I I find that the the you know the more the more patient I am, the more I stick with something, the more rewards I get from it. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Which moves us on, th- on to another. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, because I mean, you know, we all walk into sort of weddings and wedding reception, and there's so much going on. There's loads happening. And I used to sort of, you know, you'd, you'd spin around like a top going, click, 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 got that, got that, got that, got that. And you try and shoot 20 things in about two minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've, I've just slowed down. I've just slowed down and I moved from photograph to photograph to photograph, ignoring other stuff and trying to stick with something and then try and say, right, this is the moment that I want. And you might spend five minutes with something and it might not happen, you know, or you, you, or you spend a minute with something, something great happens. And then I'll I'll just ask the question, but is anything, is it going to get better? And so you might stick with it for another two minutes and then it gets better. I mean, but, it's still in the, in the course of a you know twelve hour day. That's no time at all. Yeah. No. I, absolutely. Absolutely. But well, for then, anyone who again, just to reiterate, if you haven't seen the image um, that we've just spent ages talking about, <laughs> just head over to the the awards section of the website. I think I already mentioned that before, but just make sure you do because it is well well worth it. And then listen back to the podcast six times to try and still work out how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then message me on Facebook and I'll I'll try to get a. A, a, a diagram done i'll just i'll sketch it out and it's 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 obvious once you once you look at it i have a feeling that every time someone asks you this question you basically give a different answer just to sort of build up the mystique a bit more <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i've, I've explained it with prisms i've explained yeah. it with mirrors you know I, it, yeah you don't let people know how you work 
now photographers sitting around the table like <laughs> having a drink now at like one of these sort of like social events for local photographers and they're all like arguing about how it no no i heard this and i heard that and yeah <laughs> only you know <laughs> oh yes oh yes well, um, moving on from layering to um, to to baking, I understand that outside of photography, you are well renowned for your baking skills. Well, I, do, I, I did go on a, I did go on a baking course in February this year, okay. and it was it was just great because we just we decided that what what that Rachel and I what we do we wouldn't buy bread anymore unless we made it. Uh-huh. So it would be that thing of you know if there's a loaf in the house, it's because we've made it. Yeah. And 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 it's just it's a really lovely, relaxing thing to do because it just takes it takes about three hours or so just to get a loaf going. And it's it's just a really nice thing to do. Me and Steve have the same philosophy with podcasts. We we don't listen to anyone else's <laughs> podcast, just our own. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. quite right. Quite every, right. every day for three yeah. hours. But it so just you- it takes that amount of time. And it's just it's good to good to spend that time on something. Yeah, is it quite cathartic then? It's quite a relaxing sort of thing outside of the stresses of running a business. It's a very precise process, and the last the last thing that I baked didn't work out. Right, it it, it didn't rise, and I know what it was. I I I, and it's a good sort of it's a good thing to reflect on, you know, and and using your photography business because I sort of I thought I know what I'm doing now, and I'd rushed it, and I hadn't check the temperature of the water and I'd, I'd missed a few stages and I'd, I'd sort of, ah, I didn't bother with that now because I'm really ace at this. <laughs> and and I was rewarded by the flattest, thinnest loaf, <laughs> almost inedible that, that, that you could get. And it was a good sort of, that was a good metaphor for not actually missing out the, the steps and getting too cocky when you pick up a camera. Is it is it cakes as well that you bake as well as um, I, bread? I've not Rachel is much better at cakes, so I sort of I leave Rachel with the cakes because she's fantastic. I've sort of done flapjacks and things like that, but I've not done a sponge for yonks. Okay, well this well, kind of ruins our quiz that we've got lined up for you. But uh, I like quizzes. Okay, I love quizzes. <laughs> we thought you'd be great at this, but you might be terrible. I'm very keen on cakes. Yeah. I, I I eat a lot of cakes. Okay, well, Cakes are great. let's see if you can answer the questions then, okay? So okay. this is a quiz for Andrew Billington, and you have 30 seconds to answer as many possible with either cake or fake. Okay. Okay, which is kind of self-explanatory, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but if you think it's real, you say cake, and if you don't, you say fake. Is it cake or is it fake? Is it fake or is it cake? Andrew Billington's a master baker. Let's ask him later. Or maybe now is actually better. Yeah, it's definitely better. Could this be his big break? Or will he just think, oh, for God's sake? 30 seconds to answer our questions And tell us if it's cake or fake Okay, so are you ready? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, here we go. First question. Uh, Queen of Hearts cake. Cake. <laughs> Fake. Babka. <laughs> Sorry? Babka. Cake. Correct. Beer cake. Woo. Cake. Ding. Correct. Syrup slurp cake. Fake. Ding. Correct. Fake cake. Cake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Better than sex cake. Cake. Ding. Do you know what? That's 30 seconds, but we're just going to keep going because we've only oh, got yeah. through a few. Bring on the cakes. <laughs> Billington sponge. Fake. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Fat rascal. Cake. Ding. Layer cake. Cake. Ding. See, that's the perfect cake for you, isn't it? With it really is. Layering. Yes. Uh, keeping it real cake. Fake. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I tell you, we, we'll get you to bake yeah. one for the, uh, I will, the first yeah, anniversary. I'll, I'll, I'll bake a keeping it real cake. Can it be in yes. a Billington Triangle ship? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I've made with Billington sugar. Excellent. Oh, Billington sugar. Is that not just oh, yeah. what, that's what I call your voice? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, there's Billington sugar, and there's also in Market Drayton, there's there's Billington's gingerbread. Oh, oh, I should have put. Oh well, you know what? I wasn't that far off with Billington sponge. No, that was good. Yeah. Um, rock cake. Cake. Ding. Love butter cake. <laughs> cake. No. Oh. Would you want to eat something with love butter in it? <laughs> 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 this is going way off the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, be sued. <laughs> okay. Uh, skid marks. <laughs> Did your son write these, uh, Andy? Um, I have seen cakes like that, but I don't believe it's a real name for one. <laughs> yeah, it's fake. <laughs> oh, uh, skid marks. <laughs> Oh god, I've lost it. <laughs> oh, 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 snow moon. Oh. Oh, sorry, snow skin moon cake. <laughs> I bet that that's about to be a cake. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna say jism next, I'm not playing. Upside down cake. Cake. Yeah, it is. Whoopie pies. Oh yes, cake. Yeah, it is. Yes, dog eggs. That's That's what I pick up in the morning. Exactly. They warm your hands in the morning. They they really do, don't they? Absolutely. They do. Gloves when you've got doggos. Nope. Onion cake. (laughs) Cake. Yeah, it is. Sounds horrible. Um, A long, slow kiss cake. Fake. Yeah, it is. I think you've started to understand my sense of humor now. You're picking a up a long, slow kiss cake. Yeah. Uh, miserable cake. Fake. It's, it's actually a cake. No. Yeah, it sounds a bit like the one you baked last time. Yeah, yeah, that was a miserable <laughs> bread. I tell you. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, finally, depression cake. Oh, I hope that isn't one. But I'm going to say cake. That is cake. Woo! Right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to tot up your answer. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're actually eight, playing. Nine, ten, yeah. Oh, yeah, this, is, this, is, this is completely viable and, and, will, and will be kept on record. Five, Excellent. Uh, we should have like a leaderboard. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Kevin Mullins' biscuit quiz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, Ross Harvey's uh, cereal bar challenge. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, well, you got a, a pretty impressive 13 out of 21. Okay, I'll take yeah. that. But, That's not bad. Um, you, you are going to have to eat syrup slurp cake, unfortunately, as, oh. a, um, as a punishment. If you'd got less, you would have probably been eating... Uh, skid marks, skid marks, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> dog eggs would have been like if you'd got none, right? So, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that was that was yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Nothing more to say. Yeah, thanks for the input. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, it was enormous fun. Yeah, fun for all the family. Yes. Oh, that's a regular feature right there. <laughs> Nail it down. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Okay. So uh, back to uh, business. You promote yourself as a documentary wedding photographer, which a lot of us do. Um, but I'd say you're probably a lot more sort of true to that ethos in your work than most. And it's sort of hard to not try and be all things to say, sort of like all people to, to attract clients and, you know, have a business and pay the bills. So how easy or hard has it been for you to market yourself as a documentary wedding photographer um i don't think it, it sounds odd but i don't think it's been too difficult because i don't think the message i've put out there has been too conflicted i think i've always said this is how i work this is how i photograph and i've only ever shown those images so people coming to me i, I assume that's what they want okay that works well i mean i think that's good that you've had that sort of from the start because I think a lot of us start without really much idea of what we're doing and we do the whole traditional formal thing with 60 group shots and couples staring into the camera and all this stuff and then over time we sort of build up a little bit of a style but we're still it takes a while to sort of sort of shed the old sort of way of doing things a little bit but you've sort of been always sort of like you know pretty set from the start to to do it that way well I I, I came into wedding photography with that idea i didn't i didn't know it exi existed i didn't know it was a thing when i got when i got married and the question of wedding photography came up i literally just said to rachel look i i don't want any of that i just want somebody to wander around with a camera and not even be aware that they're there that so and that was my thought and we couldn't find anybody to do that because as soon mm -hmm. as you said we're having a wedding we need a photographer what you got was well okay well we'll come and we'll do we'll do this many groups and then you know we'll take photographs of the rings and we'll do all this mm -hmm. and that was like none of that did i want so if we did that in the end ha end up having a photographer for our wedding because i just didn't want that on the day there was enough you know i, I was getting married i was scared enough so you know <laughs> i thought i don't i don't want anybody then bossing me around and telling me to do this and do that uh so when i went, went into wedding photography that was the sort of angle i went from i didn't go from a sort of what is what does wedding photography lo look like oh i should do that um, I did investigate and sort of I second shot for uh, a local uh, to me wedding photographer on three or four or five weddings. And basically it was a real eye opener because what you ended up doing was they gave you a list of basically 40 shots at the beginning of the day. And, you know, it was, you know, groom holding his his 
sleeve so you can see the cuff link um you know very traditional very traditional a cake uh you know a flower all 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 the traditional shots you can think of you basically got that list of 40 shots you did it and then you went home and you know and it was it was a brilliant eye-opening thing to do and i absolutely urge anybody to sort of learn the ins and outs of anybody's business and the the different ways that people approach things because i think that's the best thing that you could do is to know everybody's business and how other people do things but i i went away from that knowing and concreted me that that was not the way i wanted to work so it was a brilliant thing to do kind of similar to to myself there i think um with myself it was more a case of yeah i can see that it's all the same same types of photos i i definitely wanted to approach my work differently and and work like like you do in a way that's kind of true to yourself yeah um and i know that you're not someone who actively chases awards and likes but both do seem to come come to you because your work does come across as quite honest um it was there at any point where you did start shooting for yourself and stop worrying about what others thought or 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 is there still an element of that? I think I think I remind myself at the, begin, at the beginning of every wedding that what I want to do is is it sounds it does sound really bad, but I want to shoot for myself. I want I want to go in there and shoot the photographs that I want to take. Um, and you'll you'll go into forums and you go into endless discussions in facebook and things like that and about all oh, should i take this photo should i take this kind of photo and people always say oh shoot for the client shoot for the client and mm. i really say don't shoot for yourself shoot what you believe to be true. if you have and and the big thing for me was developing a philosophy of how i wanted to work mm-hmm. and as soon as you have that philosophy then it becomes easy because you turn up a wedding and you do your thing and that's that uh, and you don't have to worry about oh have I, have I done this or uh, oh auntie ada wants me to do this sort of shot and this sort of shot now if somebody asks me to do something on a wedding day i'm not going to say i'm sorry darling i don't do that that's not my art i'll say yeah of course mm-hmm. so if if people say oh can we have a photo oh you're you're the photographer can we have a photo yeah i'll take a photo maybe i'll take their phone and i'll take it with their phone Maybe it takes I'll take two seconds, it. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll take it with my camera. If uh, the the overarching thing, and you hear it from so many people, and I never coined the phrase, but I, you know, I do say it a lot: is don't be a dick. <laughs> you know, they will absolutely remember you if you are dickish, absolutely, more, and they will tell a lot more people about it than if you are brilliant. They, if you're brilliant, you'll get recommendations. But if you're a dick, they'll tell twenty people. They'll tell you know, the next photographer. At a wedding that oh, they're at, yeah. who they oh, actually like so as well, many... yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I talk, I talk to people, and you, you know, if you talk to couples beforehand, you know, and I always just lead them. If we, if we're discussing wedding photography, I explain to them the way that I work, and I just lead them to tell me about weddings they've been to, and they will always tell you about the photographer that didn't work the way that they expect me to work. Which Everyone's is... got the story, haven't they? Everyone's got the story. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Of of photographers with loud hailers, you know, trying to trying to move people around, or just I literally have heard about I've heard that a few times of photographers that that employ those little mini loud hailers to wow. sort of make the day fun or move people around. And you think, oh my goodness, 
The that's day should not, just be fun anyway, shouldn't it, really? You know, that's not and, – and I will never criticise anybody for working in that way because if, if it works for them and they get bookings off it and people are happy with it, that's absolutely fine. But I'll, all I'll ever say with anybody's photography or the way anybody works is that's not a choice I would make. This is an urgent appeal. Did you know that in the UK alone, 400 lens caps are left homeless every single year? Here at the Lens Cap Rescue Centre, we are asking for your support, your help, your compassion. Please give just £4 a month and help us rehome all those lost lens caps. Through our partnership with eBay, we have already helped rehome thousands of lens caps. The money directly helping those in need and our shareholders mainly our shareholders but you know helpless homeless lens caps too Olaf is a lens cap here's his story hello my name is Olaf I was happily traveling around with my owner then one day he put me on a park bench while he took a photo and he just left me there I miss him very, very much. But thanks to the Landscap Rescue Center, I now have a new home and a new owner. Please give generously to help Landscaps like me become whole again. For just four pounds a month, you can sponsor a Landscap. And once rehomed, you'll receive regular updates on how they are settling in. Give generously and help a lens cap be rehomed today. In in terms uh, of sort of um, uh, not kind of worrying necessarily about what people think and, and sort of how you shoot and things like that. Um, in terms of that, uh, when it comes to other photographers, sort of what's your your sort of feelings about about that side of things? You know, do you ever sort of take photos and not post them because of what other photographers will think or do you do you just post sort of everything that you know that is true to you i'll try to stay on on brand as it were yeah. which i must admit the, the majority of stuff that i take is very documentary is very moment driven um i will you know i will you'll see some beautiful light and on my instagram i think the last picture on my instagram feed currently is a portrait taken in beautiful evening light uh because why wouldn't you yeah um you know i was out with a couple they wanted to do some photographs together we you know my portraiture is basically find some good light you guys just have a chat and i'll just work around you which is like a lot of documentary photographers that that do portraits that's what we'll do we'll just simply sort of find some gorgeous light and just get people to interact rather than pose, pose, pose. Cause yeah. again, the couples that I work with don't want that. But, and if it, if it's a nice picture, I'll show it, you know, I won't, I don't, you know, if, the, if somebody has asked me to do, uh, say a ring shot, uh, I must admit I've done one ring shot in about 400 weddings. Uh, but if some, if somebody asked me to do a ring shot, I'll again, I'll do it. Uh, but I, that's not going to find its way onto my Instagram feed or on my Facebook mm. because it's just so against what I do. And I and 
I think there would be a, a conflict there for anybody coming to my social media or my website seeing that. Yeah. So you don't want people to be conflicted. That so I don't, you know, that's that's the simple thing. Show what you shoot, and then if they love it, they'll book you. If they don't, they'll go to someone else, and that's and that's good for the both of us. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Mm. So I mean, again, you know, the the advice I'd give to people because again I get I, a lot of people get in touch and sort of say oh, I really want to shoot documentary weddings I don't and they've sort of got into a loop of very traditional shooting and 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 I'll go to their website and the first thing I'll see on their website is 20 portraits yeah. or or loads of details and when I say well if you want to shoot documentary what you've got to do is remove all that from your website they just then they go but that's what gets me bookings but uh, if it's on there, you're going to be shooting it for 18 months. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to take it off and show the moment driven stuff. And, uh-huh. and people will book you for that. But I also think as well, don't, they need to decide what they want to be as well. Because I think sometimes as well, people worry about the, the, the sort of like being in a particular bracket or genre that they want to be. And actually they do really well and take great shots doing other things as well. And, you know, you've got to be true to yourself. You know, they, they mm. don't necessarily have to be purely documentary. They could be largely documentary with some of that if it's really good. Yeah, I, I yeah. Think, yeah, they're not... Sometimes we worry too much about being seen as being authentic in a particular genre, but actually it, it doesn't matter too much. You've, it's your ethos rather than being... Yeah, in a yeah, this is this is not war photography. We're not yeah. war photographers. We're not, we're not tooling off and, and going, going off to photograph a conflict you know it's it's a wedding it's a happy day but i think but you've got to be true to the way that you want to work and that is then fair to cut to the couples that you work with i think if you i've spent you know i've spent years honing and honing the way that i work in order that when couples see the work on my website they know that that's what they're going to get on their wedding day i think how regardless of how you work i think if you develop a philosophy and actually just really work on that and improve the way that you're working week on week, then when couples come to your website and they see that, if they want it, they're going to book you. And I think then you're going to be happy working that wedding because mm-hmm. simply, simply, I never, I've never asked people, how do you want me to photograph your wedding? My approach has always been, this is the way that I work. And mm then you don't you don't have to worry on a wedding day you don't have to turn up and think how am i photographing this one you just sort of go oh brilliant i just turn up i do this and those things are happening fantastic no absolutely i think it's probably the best way to go in my opinion um you mentioned there about your philosophy um that probably ties in nicely with um these potential workshops that we've heard rumors about there seems to be a lot a lot a lot of talk about it. Andy and myself were were chatting the other day, saying it it would be quite a an interesting workshop to go to, and I, I mean a real workshop, not one that is about that photograph that we talked about earlier. I mean a proper one where you <laughs> tell us some of your secrets and talk us through the Billington Triangle. <laughs> yeah, the Billington Triangle. My, at least my, half my an secret, hour. my secrets, and the and, and the Billington Triangle. <laughs> oh, no. it's an it's an interesting thing. I must admit, the more I sort of. I've got got involved in things and and got out there and sort of started talking to people in forums. The more messages I've been getting about oh questions about things and then do you do workshops is is the the natural question that follows that and I've had that for the last couple of years and I've always sort of 
shied away from that whole sort of workshop thing it was in the same way that i did with competitions because initially i thought you know well it's about an individual view of things and you can't teach it and you know it, it was about sort of particularly with documentary i think it's a very much about the person's eye and how you see the world and you're very much in every photograph that you take so i thought with workshops how can you sort of imbue that in into someone but i think i might sort of have a, a sort of way into that i was at the snap photography festival uh, last year, I did a two-hour workshop on this again, the sort of way that I work on a wedding day, and mm. the things that I do to get myself in a creative space, the thoughts that are in my head, how I work a scene, how I view things, and actually thought this is a way in. I think for people that want to explore documentary wedding photography or want to make their documentary wedding photography a little bit stronger and more focused in that you talk about the way that you work you give people sort of an idea and tools to sort of employ on the day and that's not about saying photograph the way that i photograph because i think it is that very individual thing but it's a, it's about this is the thought process that i have this is what's going through my mind. These are the things that I look for. These are the things that I look at when I walk into a room. This is what I'm looking for. And I think those are things that I, I find fascinating to hear photographers talk about. And I'm hoping that other people will as well. I mean, I definitely would be interested in, in sort of learning a bit more about your process as well. Because I think you're right as well. It's, it's very hard to sort of dissect what you do and how you do it and then impart that into some sort of package that goes into someone's brain and then they can yeah. use it so i i know where you're coming from there but i i think yeah. you you definitely have a style that is is very strong and stands out in a very sort of effective way of creating sort of magic within a, a scene which is very hard when it's it's actually happening happening naturally and you're not controlling the elements of it so um i mean yeah i i would definitely be interested in coming to that i have to be honest I know yeah Steve was I, again too. because there are so many workshops out there there are yeah. so many people and i again i don't believe in that sort of magic bullet sort of do this and you will be awesome yeah. workshop mm. because that that's not giving people the tools to carry forward I, I you know i'd much rather be a little bit more sort of pragmatic and say look you know what I like to do is get into a creative headspace. What I like to do is be in this particular mindset. And it's about, it's about letting people discover their own way to get into a creative mindset on a wedding day. And actually when you're in that, you start working instinctively. So you're not actually think, you know, I'm not thinking about, Oh, this is a great shot that would win a competition. Or I saw somebody did that sort of shot. I really want to replicate that. That doesn't enter my mind. I'm literally just, in a space thinking about you know what's in front of me and how i can creatively photograph that and i think giving people those tools are what's interesting definitely and and uh, one of the things we were wondering as well is um with the workshops would there be cake on offer well i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping i mean maybe that i'm gonna i will invent some sort of skid mark cake <laughs> maybe may, may have that a morning coffee break yeah and then yeah, and then may, maybe a Billington Triangle for afternoon coffee break, <laughs> something like that, you yeah. know. Yeah, and then um, but, would you be uh, be able to give me a long, slow kiss later on? 
Well, you know, if you no, promote that, yeah, yeah <laughs> let, 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 let's let's drop this. You never know who, who's who's going to be listening. But um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and I think also, I'd, you know, I'd want to talk a little bit about because um, I think it's quite important about not feeling confident on a wedding day and yeah. how you how you walk into a wedding when you don't necessarily feel on top of everything, you know, because I think there's, again, a lot of sort of bravado around, oh, you've got to be awesome and fantastic and wonderful all the time and just be, you know, the the, the cock of the walk in, in a wedding. And that's, uh, again, I think that's quite a macho approach. And I think I know a lot of photographers that actually walk into weddings with a lot of issues. And I think it's quite important to acknowledge that and actually talk talk in your workshop about maybe strategies about dealing with that because i know that i'll i'll walk to a wedding not feeling confident but i know that you you have to pick it up and you have to be producing the goods week in week out even though you may not feel necessarily the, the most confident person in the room i think especially with that as well if you, you it's about not letting the couple necessarily realize there's an issue but not sort of hiding it to the extent that it becomes even more of an issue it's quite a fine balance you don't want to alert them to oh he might not take very good photos because there's a problem yeah. at the same yeah. time if there's a real problem you don't want to be bottling it up so much that it's it's uh, becomes more of an issue yeah, yeah. I mean, you you don't want to sort of be sort of walking and go, oh, I've, I'm just, I don't feel very confident today. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to produce, <laughs> you know, because I don't think that would be very good. But I, I don't think you equally want to overcompensate by suddenly bounding into a room and, and sort of going, hi, guys, yeah, because yeah, yeah, then that's going to undercut what you do as well. Yeah, especially when there's tears streaming down your face because you're upset, but you're like smiling <laughs> at the same time. You'll just yeah, look completely it's, well, crazy. It's, it's not necessarily being as, as visibly upset. It's just yeah. not, I think, people feeling confident is they, they don't necessarily think they have the right not to not to feel at the top of their game and i think that i think you can yeah. but there are strategies you can employ to actually still produce good work yeah definitely so so in terms of the workshop uh, are there any plans for this next year then have you have you sort of set any dates or have you got sort of some um, ideas in well mind? i've i tend to well i've i there's a website which i'm gonna be launching soon which is basically just to sort of garner interest because my thought is to do three workshops Excellent. um across the country just so it's not so difficult for people to travel to yeah mm -hmm. and, and make them one day workshops where we can talk about the way that i work um have a look through sort of complete weddings and and talk through that as a sort of way to approach a day look at a little bit at workflow and any other elements that people really want to talk about but i'm going to sort of launch the website and then just get people to register interest and maybe talk about dates and places that they'd like to do it. Cause I'm, I'm initially thinking about Manchester, Leeds and London, but if people are sort of saying, yeah, but we, we live in so-and-so and there's 10 of us and we could do that. Cause I want to make them quite small workshops. Yeah. I think, I think I, uh, doing one up in Durham would be quite nice. Okay. Hey. <laughs> okay I'll, I'll bear it in mind. But I, I th again, I sort of, you know, I think 10, 15 people, you know, more likely 10 is a good size because then I think within a group dynamic, everybody feels that they can say something. Yeah. And what I don't want is people to, I want to give people the opportunity to talk about, ask questions and talk about the way that they work and have a little bit of a, a back and forth rather than 
40, 80 people in a room, not that I get that, but, you know, 40 or 80 people in a room and people just sort of think they can, they just have to sit back and take in information because I think it needs to be a dialogue. Yeah. Because we're all working professionally. Yeah, no, that sounds really great. Um, we, we, you talked a bit, little bit about workflow there, which we're definitely going to just have a little uh, chat about in a minute about one thing in particular, but... Uh, you know that from episode one that we had a little uh, embarrassing story section. Um, oh, yeah, yours was locked in the church. Yeah. was amazing. That was just <laughs> ridiculous. I still can't believe that you didn't call the police. I know. I don't know. I was just so confused by it all. So yeah. kidnap, kidnap. Yeah, it really. Yes, it's false imprisonment. Do you know yeah. what? I think it's like when when you tell a story back and then people start to go. Did you not realize? Like, um, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that was actually much worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, I'm, well, I've probably set the bar quite high then, I think. You have. Um, so, um, hopefully, you've got a really good toe curling anecdote to share with us. Um, so, uh, here is Embarrassing Story Time. It went wrong, it went wrong Something went very wrong At a wedding went very wrong I thought it would be embarrassing Then I thought, oh poor me And then I thought it made a good story But I'm gonna tell you right now It's my embarrassing story, oh Okay, Andrew, over to you with your embarrassing story Right, uh, well... uh... I had a choice yet. Now, I, I apologize if anybody has heard this story before. Uh, they probably have. I was I had a choice. I was either going to do the squirrel that ate the Christmas, uh, the wedding cake. Okay. <laughs> um, I was possibly going to do the bride with chicken pox. Okay. But I decided to go with when I trod on a baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I was that photographer that trod on the baby. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Top this. Mm, no. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just one of those things you just sort of think this is mad this, this happened. Um I was at a lovely, lovely wedding venue in North Wales. Uh beautiful day. There's like a sort of village green thing happening there. So the whole wedding party went onto the village green and then we sort of said, Oh, let's do some, you know, let's do some of the group photos here. So with all the people are there and we're, you know, they're standing in lines and I'm wandering forward and doing a little adjustment of people and sort of, oh, you stand there wandering back, wandering forward. We're going, working through the groups. Then I, I walk forward. I think I adjust the, the mother-in-law just so she's a little bit closer to the, the groom, just so she looks sort of part of the group. And I step back. And as I step back, suddenly this whole group in front of me, suddenly their expressions change. And I and I and I I put my foot down and I feel something slightly squidgy <laughs> under my foot. And suddenly there's like ah happening. And this woman swoops in and I notice from underneath my foot she picks up this baby. Oh dear. Oh my. Oh. What what's been happening is as I've been doing the groups, you know, very obviously stepping backwards and forwards, she's just sort of she's had her baby and she's this little She's had this little crawling infant that she just thought, oh, I'll just let her crawl through the grass and just crawl, crawl, crawl. And and she, just this baby has been crawling. And, and 
as I step back, of course, the baby is right in the line of fire. And I step on the baby and everybody erupts. I thought, oh, my God, the wedding's over. That's it. Oh. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. This is toast for the rest of the day. <laughs> this, this ain't going to happen. But what happened was everybody for the rest of the day kept coming up to me going, are you all right? Are you no. all right? Do you want a drink? <laughs> that bloody woman with that baby all the time. Oh, it's wow. Oh, wow. It's allowed to go anywhere. It can do anything it wants. Oh, they were like so sympathetic. I couldn't believe it. I thought, cause I thought I'd lost that. That's wedding. crazy. That, that's, yeah. Wow. So it actually, it actually turned into a positive thing, but I thought, Oh my goodness. A positive, but, but yeah. I, I got so much sympathy, but don't repeat it at every wedding. It's probably not going to go down the no. same. <laughs> but my biggest, biggest, biggest regret. And this, cause I, this was cause I was fairly new to weddings at the time. I think what I failed to do was take the shot of everybody going, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> towards me. It would, I really wish I had that shot of Shoot everybody the just, just panicking as I trod on a baby. Yeah. Well, 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 the next time you stand on a baby, then you'll be ready. For yeah. It, yeah. Right? No, exactly. I'm trying to engineer it. So at least I get that shot and it's got to, you know, it'll be, it'll be some sort of fearless. I'm Can sure. I ask one thing? Was the, was the baby okay? Oh, no, not a problem at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. I should really add that to the story. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm the, yeah. Oh, and the baby died. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the baby did not die. The baby was absolutely fine. I sort of felt something squidgy and didn't put my full weight on the baby. Excellent. That's what we like oh. to hear. So good. Yes. There okay. we are. That's my embarrassing story. And another time, I will tell you about the squirrel and the wedding cake. Yeah. I, I mean, like to be fair, I don't know that that that. Yeah, that's got me. That that's. I I can imagine being in that situation uh, and oh, the horror of it, like it's happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, because we all know when you clunk a small kid on the head with your with your camera, camera as you walk yeah. Past, you know, happens at every wedding. That happens all the time, and you go, "Oh, sorry," and it's like, yeah. oh, you know. Yeah. But, did uh, you? So did yeah. you? Did you sort of like take advantage of that then when everyone was like, "Oh, are you okay?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm so traumatized," and they're like <laughs> yeah, bringing you loads I'm of drink really, and food. Really, I should just have a sit down with like some nice food, yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> Hint. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Andrew Billington, baby stepper. Yeah. 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 Great. Okay. Yeah. That's it's, that's probably better than the Billington Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> the Billington Step. It could be a dance move where you've got to stand on people's baby. No. We'll move on. No. No. Right. no, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Uh. Moving on to uh workflow again because we were talking about that just before. Um. One of the things that you kindly did for us, which we're very grateful for, um, was that you wrote a review of um Lightroom Mobile for the website. Oh yeah. Uh, and we awarded it Gear of the Year. <laughs> yeah. Is it, you know, yes. Alliterative, alliteratively, it works really well. I know. It? I was quite pleased with myself when I came up with yeah. that. To be year honest, year of the year. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it was like proper photo mag. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it in my. I can do it in my because like I was saying just before we we started recording this podcast that for some strange reason as soon as we start recording I, I put on my podcast voice which is uh, pretty much like my normal voice but just slightly more sort of radio <laughs> local radio stationy so I can do. Gear of the year. There you go. Very good. Yeah, sounds very good. Um, so um, I've actually bought an iPad Pro now to use Lightroom Mobile, um, and I've used it once when I was very unwell and I couldn't get out of bed. And instead of convalescing, thank you very much for that, Andrew. I sat in bed, lying in bed, feeling very ill, editing. 
Oh, well, you should have got back. This last week, I felt really ill. I haven't touched any editing because I thought I'm not really in the in the headspace to do it. But I must admit, I did do. I did uh, knock a wedding off today, sitting downstairs with with my iPad and Lightroom mobile. Excellent. And it was very, it was very good. It does. It is. It is a really interesting way of doing things because I think, um, you know, you do get sick of, uh, you know, at this time of year, I think everyone thinks, oh, you must be really quiet and stuff. It must be nice winding down, and you're like looking at your editing queue, and you're like, yeah, I might yeah. have not have as many yeah. to edit, but yeah. yeah, I've got so much editing to do, and you just sit and sit and sit, and you might think about buying a standing desk so you can stand up and do some work, or you might, I don't know, whatever. But like, actually, just having the ability to pick up an iPad and go and sit somewhere. Uh, uh, go to a cafe, sit downstairs, watch uh, uh, Jeremy Kyle, um, which I know you like to do. Um, is that right? Not me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm sure I saw you on there. You were like, I stepped on a baby. Yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there was that one episode. <laughs> yes, yes. My, yes, no, it was my wedding photographer killed my baby. Yeah, that was but then, it. <laughs> yeah. then we, they, they worked it through and it was, it was nothing. Excellent. Yeah. But, but no, I think for me, it's, it was just a way, again, a way of being freed up from the, from the desktop. Yeah. I mean, it's great sitting in front of a 27 inch Mac and, and seeing all your work so big and all that sort of stuff but actually i found that i was i the way that i edit i don't necessarily need that level of detail i'm not go- mm. zooming into each photograph and doing detailed work i sort of get it right in camera bit of dodging and burning mm. bit of bit of color balance and that that sort of, and bit of contrast curves adjustment that's it really so i've started i've started with lightroom mobile simply to free myself up from the desk so i can sort of go downstairs i can be with Rachel and the dogs or again yeah, as you were saying i can go out to a cafe and i can i can edit there i dropped the dogs off for a groom this week and sat in a cafe while that was being done and was able to edit um you edited, started, you edited when start, your car broke down as well, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah, no, I was on the way <laughs> back from um, a theatre shoot in Hull and driving back, and I was literally 10 miles from home, and I got a flat, and I had to wait three hours for the recovery vehicle to pick me up and, and take me to place. But I actually had my iPad with me and a wedding on there, so I just sat there and edited it. I have a sneaky feeling, though, because I saw you post a picture of this, right? It was a nice summer's evening. It was. You were sat outside a pub. I was. With a drink. Yeah. Editing on on Lightroom. Yeah. Did you really break down, or were you just using it as an excuse to sit and have a pint in the sun? Unfortunately, I did break down, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, But it was still very, very nice thing to do and it's just i think it's all these things are about what suits you and it really sort of suits me because i mean in terms of workflow i'll upload a a wedding to the desktop and then literally just apply my preset maybe a quick global color balance of the ceremony if it's difficult light in the room and maybe a global color balance of the speeches again if it's tough light and then just sync it with the with the iPad and then do the rest of it downstairs. That that was the one thing that I was actually very impressed about with it um, was that I used um, split toning in oh, my, yeah. in my preset and and there is an option for it in in Lightroom Mobile but it's it's not really workable for me because um, you can't sort of change the the sort of like. Um, the boldness of it. I can't really think of the correct term. But um, yeah. so what I did was I, I applied it in, in Lightroom. And when I synced it across, it had the exact same photo in Lightroom. 
So it yes. applied that particular um, split toning adjustment, and then it was there on 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 the um, on the iPad. And I I, I was yeah. really impressed that it could do something that it can't actually necessarily do quite the same on on Lightroom Mobile. But if you apply it before and then transfer across, um, it 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 applies it exactly the same. Yeah, it that was amazing. See, even though the function isn't in. The, the Lightroom mobile software, obviously what you're doing is editing on smart preview. Yeah. So anything that you've put into that preview is going to be synced with your iPad and then you're just working from that version. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I was really impressed. Yeah. I haven't used it enough yet because I've been like super busy and stuff, but I, it's something I'm definitely going to sort of explore more of just to get away from, yeah, like you say, I mean, being changed a lot of people, A lot of people use it for culling. Yeah. A lot of people... Are just gonna that's literally just their their sole thing that they're gonna use for uh processing their their images which i think is is really cool but for me it was just a way of getting out of the office and downstairs yeah and yeah. also the best thing about it is that you can justify it to your wife that you're spending over a thousand pounds on an ipad uh, oh, yeah. because it's work related yeah absolutely yeah and <laughs> when, when i mean and when i first got it i did it i i was able to t take it with me because i was flying to uh sweden and denmark on a job so i could actually look really cool in the airport and on the plane editing whilst flying you know yeah, I, didn't, cool. I didn't have you down as being that vain to be honest with you andrew yeah well you know it was you know <laughs> it just sort of it was a sort of byproduct really yeah, you looked cool by accident. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because I'm never going to look cool on purpose. <laughs> no, only by accident. But you've uh, been you've been away this week as well, haven't you, Steve? Uh, yes, uh, that that's a good point because I know you did kind of try and get me into into some podcasts. I did. Uh, How did that go? Uh, well, I, I've still got the list. Yes, uh, but I, I, didn't... I I saw the photos of you on the plane, Steve. I discovered on the plane that you could um it was an Emirates flight and you could um you could connect to the internet on the plane um which got me very excited the sky internet and I'd had a few beers as well so a bit of music and decided to just muck about on Facebook so I'm afraid the podcasts have not been listened to oh dear oh dear you thought I was joking uh, Andrew when I said that we only listen to our own podcast like Steve literally yeah. <laughs> only does listen to his own podcast I, I don't um it's it's on the list um so it is something that i'm going to be taking a more active interest in i promise oh, I, yeah i listen to a ton of podcasts because most of my weddings are sort of not where i live so they're all over the country so i drive about 16 18,000 miles a year it's wow. quite a lot so that's that's a lot of listening time to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What what you listen to at the moment then? What what's helping you through your editing queue? Um, I like to listen to. Uh, I've got Reply All. That's really good. Okay. If you if you're interest interested in the internet and technology, Reply All is a really good podcast. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. That's good too. Um, I do like The Guilty Feminist. That's a good one. Okay. Cool. That that's mm. cool. That that's a cool one to listen to, and maybe uh, oh, new one. Uh, John Ronson uh, has got one at the moment. It's only seven episodes, but it's called The Butterfly Effect, ah. and it's a really interesting documentary, cool. sort of podcast uh, that, over about sort of three and a half, four hours. It's well worth a listen. Excellent, because we're going to try and comp. This is sort of why we're talking about it a bit on the podcast each week. <clears throat> we're trying to compile a list that. 
ideally like the definitive list of podcast for photographers to listen to when they're editing so i think um we've put a thing on the facebook group today about it as well so if you've missed that get on the facebook group and tell us what you're listening to what genre it is and we're going to try and put a a list on the website eventually so that you know during these long months when you are just editing and editing and editing and you find that you've listened to four episodes of one podcast in one day and you finish the series in a week that you've got something else to to go on to Oh, that's really good because I think it's good to sort of listen to something that other than necessarily music or just what's on the telly. Just so, you know, I think you can be editing and learning. Yeah, well, I find as well like different moods sometimes. Some days I'm just really tired and music will, will I'm too tired for the music to get me going if I'm a little bit tired music will sort of give me a bit of a sort of perk up and stuff but like sometimes I'm just I, I just can't be bothered so I'll, I'll put something really interesting on on a podcast and and it just sort of like keeps your mind sort of from wandering and uh and, and keeps you sort of interested in in sort of what you're doing for a little bit as well it's like a distraction without being too distracting from your actual work what have you been Absolutely. listening to, Andy? What have you been listening to? Ah, I'm so annoyed, right? I've been right. So I, I'm a big fan of a podcast called The Black Tapes, right? Ah. Now, The Black Tapes um, is it's a spooky paranormal um, mockumentary. Okay, I'm not mm-hmm. ruining it for anyone by saying it's a mockumentary because you can tell from the slightly bad acting by episode two that it's not real. Okay. <laughs> um, Season one was amazing. And I was like you, Andrew, I was driving around the country for weddings earlier this year. And I I was driving down the motorway at um, sort of midnight, listening to this spooky paranormal podcast. Uh, And it was it was fantastic. I was like starting to get the point where I didn't want to look in the rear view mirror in case there was somebody there (laughs) kind of thing. Uh, Season two was very good. And season three it kind of felt like they'd written it in about five minutes and it had the worst ending ever. Oh dear. So I was very disappointed. I listened to to it in in fits and spurts over the last week. Instead of usually I'm like listening to it, like binge listening to it. And I was just, I was so disappointed. So The Black Tapes is great. Season one and two, I definitely recommend people listen to it because it is brilliant. Season three, maybe just move on to something else. (laughs) No, no. uh, I think I'll I'll pop the first two on my list. Yeah. um, And and see where we go from there. Because I think I do, I do need something apart from music to get me through editing sometimes um but speaking of editing um how is everyone how is everyone getting on any any backlogs Ooh, uh well i finished a wedding today uh that, that leaves me four to edit but they're not due for at least a couple of weeks so that that's that's fine for me not so bad yeah i'm not too bad i've got um oh i've lost track now one two three four five five in the queue um but i'm i've only got a half day this saturday and then another half day on uh, the start of december and then i'm done until the middle of march Woo-hoo! what what yeah. a break but i I'll, I'll put a little disclaimer in there um i'm my my second baby is due in february Oh. So I've deliberately taken uh, a few months off. I've turned down any bookings for a- any time up until the middle of March, just so I can um, be there to help my wife a little bit more over the last sort of month or two of the pregnancy, and then and then obviously have some time off with the baby uh, once she comes and and wet the baby's head. Uh, yeah, well, you know I'm a terrible lightweight when it comes to drinking, <laughs> but I'll try and have one or two pints to to celebrate. I'm sure it's got to be done. Yeah, fabulous. So, yeah, so a bit of time off with the with the family will be will be good. I think it's just just what I need. So, what about you guys? Have you got much over the festive period? 
Uh, I'm not. T- I've got uh, three in December and one at the beginning of January. So I've got sixteenth, twenty third, and thirtieth. Okay. All of all of them are couples that are currently in Australia. That is. Ooh. This, yeah, you've got a very sort of a niche market you're tapping into. That is so. Yeah, so. And literally, literally, I booked another couple next week uh, for next year that are also currently in Australia. I seem to be doing very well with the Australians or expats getting married back in blighty market okay. it's niche but it's working for me did you specifically ah. do some seo to attract those people <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no it just must be a vibe that you give off oh. yeah absolutely i'm saying will work with people currently living in australia good yeah. stuff okay i've got uh, december i've got i've got quite a busy december i've got five weddings of my own and i've i'm also second shooting two as well wow um, oh. We're doing a bit more of that this year. Uh, second shooting, I've, I've I've really enjoyed it. It's kind of just gives you that little bit of extra freedom to experiment that you don't have necessarily when they're your own wedding. So I've uh, I've just that was one of my goals at the start of the year. So cool. Yeah, no, it is it is it is good second shooting. I must admit, yeah, I, I've, I've done really it. Enjoyed it. I've done it once this year. Um, and it was it was great again for that very reason that you're not actually having to drive the day because all my other weddings I, I it's only ever me there I don't have second shooters so it's just me mm-hmm. on a wedding day and it, you you know again that's the added pressure of having to drive the day even though you're sort of essentially stepping back from it and photographing it you do feel responsible and that you are the focus absolutely absolutely yeah. I, I've only ever sh- second shot twice. Um, and I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I think I actually prefer second shooting to having a second shooter. I find it very difficult to delegate sort of any task to a second shooter. I always work alone. And then if a couple need uh, an, an assistant for whatever reason, groom prep or something like that, I'm just like, I just still go into sort of doing everything myself mode. And then the other photographers just sort of standing there and they'll float <laughs> about and get some candles and stuff. But I've probably just been in the same spot because I, I just buzz all over the place. I'm like a busy bee on a wedding day. So it, it's, I'm terrible at, at having a second shooter. It's, it's easier for me to be the second shooter and just relinquish all control. Yeah, I, and, and I think it, it works brilliantly for some people, but it's just, again, not something that is sort of in my headspace. I quite like just being, it again, it's a, it's a less impactful, I think, on the wedding for me not to have a second shooter because then it's not just one those, yeah, it's not those photographers, it's just the photographer, oh, mm-hmm. come on, come on in. I think Seems as well, if it's, if it's just you, people kind of forget that you're the photographer. I mean, quite a lot of times I get asked, how do you know the couple? And I'm that's like, no. Exactly I'm, the same yeah. happens to me, yeah. Met them and the I, day for the first great. time. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It's really good. Um, I think we'll end things there. But uh, many thanks to Steve, as always. And a massive thank you to you, Andrew, for, for joining us for this episode. It's been fantastic to have a chat with you and learn a bit more about your work and about yourself as well and hear that smooth voice. Oh, yeah. thank you very much. it's been an absolute pleasure I, as the podcast has gone on i've probably sounded worse because i'm just coming out of a cold so uh it's okay you no, like you, you friends it's you got got barry white as well. <laughs> <laughs> better compliment Wait. than me saying you sound like phoebe from friends but i was going somewhere with that there's an episode <laughs> on friends where she has a cold and she sounds more sexy as a result that's it was meant to be a compliment <laughs> yeah i named my babies <laughs> Um, I think she says that. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, we'll we'll just pretend. Yeah, okay. We'll pretend she did. 
Yes, definitely. She definitely did. I'll cut out the bit where we're definitely, not sure. She definitely said that. We're, yeah. we're pretending she did. Super. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. to head over to um, Andrew's website as well um, which, which to have is, a look more of his work. Which is what? Uh, AndrewBillingtonPhotography.com. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Or you can just find me. You can find me on Facebook. I must admit, I you know I'm always welcome being messages for any, anybody's got any questions about anything. Always happy to sort of just sort of chip in my uh, my ten cents worth. So we can question Brilliant. you about your skid marks. Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> okay. we'll ask most questions about skid marks, <laughs> treading on babies, yeah. and uh, getting reflections out of wedding cars. That's basically all I talk about. Well, I think you might be winning on the embarrassing story now because although I was lo- <laughs> I was locked in a church that was someone else's doing, whereas you you literally just stood on someone's child. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. you know. Again, it's never going to live this down. I, I say it's, it's, it's frowned upon. Yeah, I would say so. Um, right, we will try and squeeze in another podcast very soon. Uh, so keep uh, an eye out for episode three in the very near future. But again, huge thank you to Andrew Billington, and we will be back soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast show. We hope that you did on top and go Oh, halfway through the episode We hope that you'll join us next time That would be mighty fine We love you, bye-bye Bye-bye